I'm Cullen Burke, and this is Cauldron, a history of the world, battle by battle. listening to Cauldron. I'm your host, Cullen, and today's episode is another one of our special little fictional accounts coming from the Battle of Stamford Bridge. This time we are following the life of young Durfel, an uh, Anglo-Saxon soldier trying to hold back the Viking onslaught. But before we get to Durfel's story, I just want to say thank you very much for everybody that has given a rating or review on iTunes, and for everybody that has subscribed. It really means a lot to me. I I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support. And if you haven't gotten a chance to do that, please, I encourage you, go on to iTunes or whatever you're listening to this on um, as far as an app goes. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, It means the world to me. So thank you very much. All right, that's enough of that. Let's find out what happens to young Durfel at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. Young Durfel had never seen a man so wild in his life. The giant Norseman standing on the bridge was glistening with sweat like a hard-ridden horse. He roared and frothed at the Englishmen before him, taunting them, daring them to come and die. Durfel could see taut, ropey-like muscles straining from the man's neck. The Norseman wore only a pair of grey wooden trousers and heavy boots. He had on no mail, no helm, and he carried no shield. Any other man would have died long ago. Durfel had watched the blonde mountain before him shatter enemy after enemy with his two-handed axe. For the best part of an hour, Stamford Bridge was held by one man against an army. The English warriors cautiously inched forward. The remains of the men that had gone before them littered the bridge entrance. Durfel counted 37 bashed and bloodied bodies. He looked up under the bridge and could see the Norseman was taking in big, ragged breaths. Durfel knew the man must be exhausted. Having chopped wood all his life, Durfel knew the toll swinging an axe could take. And of course, the wood didn't fight back, or for that matter, wear mail. The massive man had swung his two-handed Dane axe again and again, crashing it into metal and bone. The mere act of ripping the axe blade free from whatever it bit into could be just as taxing as swinging it at all. Finally, 
a lone housecarl, stepped forward from the reluctant English side. He had his conical helmet strapped tight and his heavy mail hauberk held by a belt. His shield was strapped to his back, making him look imposing, but compared to the Norseman, he looked like a child. As he picked his way over bodies and broken limbs, the English warrior unslung his shield and tested the grip. This was a brave man indeed, thought Durfel, a man confident in his skill with the blade. As the housecarl approached his snarling opponent, he unsheathed his sword. The Norseman barked a challenge. As if in acceptance, or maybe to display his ability, the Huskarl lobbed his sword and shield into the air before him. The goal of switching hands before a fight was to intimidate and overawe one's opponent. The English housecarl had hoped his enemy would hesitate and freeze. It had worked for the man in the past, and the sheer brazenness of the move shocked Durfel. He must truly be a great warrior to be so reckless and fearless, thought Durfel. What the housecarl and Durfel realized at the same time, though, was that such a move only worked on an enemy that knew fear. Instead of being confused or intimidated by the movement, the Norseman howled and charged as soon as the sword and shield left the housecarl's hands. For a split second, the Englishman's eyes looked away from his weapons. He recovered enough to pluck the sword out of the air, but Durfel saw the housecarl's shield hit the bridge planks and roll off into the River Derwin. The housecarl scrambled to recover his footing before the pale, screaming monster was on him. As he stepped back to gather himself, the Englishman slipped on a blood slick and went down to one knee. Durfel saw the housecarl raise his sword over his head to block the incoming axe strike. The Norseman, wanting to avoid the housecarl's helmet, changed the direction of his attack at the last second. Instead of a massive overhead chop, he dropped the axe head and swung a lightning-fast uppercut. The glistening axe blade disappeared into the Englishman's hauberk-covered neck. Then, with a roar and a twist and a yank, the Norseman ripped his axe free and turned his back to the enemy army. He walked back up the bridge path, insultingly slow and carefree. The English housecarl's arms fell to his sides. The poor man was still in his kneeling position, and for a moment, nothing happened. Then the body twisted towards Durfel, and he saw streams of blood shoot from what was once the housecarl's face. Horrified, Durfel looked back at the Norseman in time to see him rip the dead man's jaw from his axe point. One large, calloused hand snapped it like a little chicken bone and flicked the pieces over the bridge railing into the river. Durfel saw the ragged, flesh-stripped bones splash into the water below. Then, taken by the river current, the bones floated under the bridge for a moment 
and were gone. Still not fully understanding what he'd seen, Durfel looked again at the foolishly brave corpse. The axe had cut a path through the housecarl's neck and face like a plow through soft earth. The nose was gone. The eyes were now spaced oddly, like a fish they were on the sides of the man's ruined head. Where the jaw had been, there was only smashed, exposed teeth and shredded tongue and more gore that Durfel couldn't even name. The Norseman was resting again at the top of the bridge, breathing heavy but calmly. He leaned against his Dane axe and surveyed the men before him like a mildly interested god. He was awaiting his next brave, fearless victim. Young Durfel didn't consider himself brave or fearless. In fact, he'd pissed his breeches while watching the latest grisly combat. Durfel was a farm boy and no soldier. His king had called, and so Durfel went. That was the only reason he now found himself a row of men away from death in the flesh. Durfel knew he would die if he were pushed forward onto that bridge. He didn't want to die, so Durfel tried to think. The noises and smells of battle made thinking hard, but Durfel had always had a quick mind. His father was proud of him for it and told everyone in the village if they had a problem to talk to Durfel. And young Durfel realized that's all this was, a substantial but deadly problem. He needed to cross the bridge, but couldn't because the Axeman was on it. So how could he get around it? Durfel scanned around the bridge for something. He was becoming desperate. He was getting shoved by the men behind him, inching him closer and closer to the bridge. Everything was happening so fast, he had to think, to see. But, but all he could think of or, or see was that man's jawbone. The strips of flesh left on the pieces of bone had clouded the water red as the current had carried them away. The river was too loud and, and fast, which was why the bridge fight was happening at all. No man could ford the Derwin. That is when it hit Durfel. He might not be able to cross it, but he could, like the bones, float on it. He scrambled and squirmed his way to the river's edge. For once, Durfel was lucky to be poor. He had no mail or armor, so getting into the river wouldn't drown him. But he still needed something to float on. The Vikings had been completely surprised by the arrival of Harold Godwinson's army. They had been celebrating a great victory at Fulford Gate and had no idea the enemy was nearby. There was a mad rush to get over the bridge and to form up into something resembling a shield wall on the other side. The Norsemen left behind everything on the western side of the river that might have slowed them down. The ground was littered with drinking horns, half-barrels, mead jugs, and casks. Durfel knew that the ferrymen near his village would use empty barrels lashed together as, as rafts. He shuffled around, grabbing casks and shaking them, trying to find an empty one. The looks he was getting from the other men told him he must have seemed crazed, but he kept at it. And then finally, Durfel saw it, trapped in a bush on the riverbank a floating half-barrel. 
Taking off his boots, Durful half-slid, half-fell down the steep bank. Using his spear to push the barrel out of the bush, Durful jumped into the river, grasping at it. His sudden weight dragged the barrel down into the inky cold water, and for a moment he thought the whole thing had been a foolish way to die. Killed by a barrel was far worse than dying in battle. And then the barrel shot for the light, and Durful felt the air hit him like a blow to the chest. Gasping and spluttering, Durful was able to get his balance right so that he was finally able to breathe, and slightly hugging the barrel, he began to drift down the river. Using his spear as a punt, Durful stuck to the riverside and moved towards the bridge. As he was mulling over his options, he heard the Norseman scream again. The noise was so blood-curdling and close that Durful froze. Like a rabbit in an open field, Durful felt naked, like the eyes of every predator were on him and him alone. And then the clang and clatter of a fight above brought him out of his trance. Durful realized more Englishmen must have charged the bridge keeper. Another scream, but this one was more high-pitched and seemed to be traveling away. Then a shadow splashed into the river on the other side of the bridge. The water was disturbed only for a minute, and then the brisk current made it calm again. Nothing came to the surface. Again, Durful was happy to have no armor. A second splash doused him in water. Durful twisted away wildly, and for a moment he thought the Norseman had jumped into the river to get him. But the splash had been too small. Swinging back to look at where it came from, Durful saw a head bobbing swiftly away downriver. Something in him had screamed, not from fear but from an angry place. Durful didn't know any of these dead men, but they were all Englishmen, and that was enough for him. The big bastard on the bridge had killed the last of his countrymen, and Durfel would see to that. He shifted his barrel a little and floated until he was under the bridge itself. It was black as night under there, and for a moment his rage turned to helplessness. Bobbing under the bodies of his countrymen, Durfel became desperate. He knew if he crossed the river on the barrel, it was likely to get him drowned. Even if he made it across an enemy arrow or sword would get him long before he could reach the axeman. And even if not that, what would he do facing that giant? There had to be a way to kill the Norseman without fighting him. As he grew more and more frustrated, Durfel had to reach up and cover his eyes. The light coming in from between the planks on the bridge was blinding. He couldn't see anything for a moment, and then his eyes adjusted. Right above him, Durfel saw a shadow move. It had to be the Norseman. No one else was on the bridge, or at least no one who was alive. That was it, thought Durfel. If he could just angle his spear right in the right spot. Durfel rested the spear point on the edge of the plank where he'd seen the shadow. Grabbing the butt of the spear that was still underwater, Durfel heaved upwards with all his might. The point shot up clean through the gap in the wood planks, and for a moment, Durfel thought he had missed, that the whole thing had been for naught. 
Then the Norseman's roar came, but instead of a guttural howl, Durfel heard a high shriek. A trickle of blood seeped through the gap and turned into a steady stream on his spear shaft. When Durfel yanked the spear free, the blood gushed down through the multiple gaps in the planks, and there was a dull thud. A moment of silence followed, and then there was a roar. A new noise that came down under the bridge, whoops and cheers. The Englishmen had no idea what had happened, but when they saw the Norsemen, their tormentor, go down, they went wild. They rushed up onto the bridge and trampled the giant's lifeless body. As they sped over the bridge at Stamford to face the mighty Vikings of Harold Hardrada's army, the Englishmen knew they would win. Some of the men that were waiting to cross over and fight noticed a lone small barrel floating away downriver. With a long, hard battle ahead of them, they didn't see the hands discreetly holding on to the sides of the barrel. Young Durfel had decided that he had had enough fighting for one day. <laughs> 